is the horse is a biofeedback machine because they they mirror the human so if somebody has a lot of anxiety or is dealing with some aggression issues or anything when they approach the horse if their heart rate is really high if their blood pressure is really high the horse is going to recognize that and say no thanks i'm, I'm not going to go near you so what exact, exactly is the the hippotherapy a therapist is using the horse's movements purposefully in their treatment to target a specific therapy goal i'm using the horse's movement to strengthen postural muscles balance reactions. The horses know that they have a relationship with humans and they historically are prey animals. Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and the profound wisdom of our young. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am thrilled to have Randy Shanahan on the program. Randy is a physical therapist, doctor in physical therapy, and HPCS, which is a hippotherapist, which we will talk about in a little bit, because I was just visiting her facility a few days ago, and at the Shea Center, which is a therapeutic riding center for children and adults with um, with beautiful challenges that, you know, therapy that can can help them. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. But Randy serves as the therapy services manager at the Shea Center in San Juan Capistrano, California, specializing in the use of hippotherapy for children and adults with varying diagnosis. She comes with eight years experience as a clinician serving in multiple care settings, including NICU, high-risk infant follow-up, early intervention, outpatient pediatrics and orthopedics, home health rehab, and clinical research. She received her doctor of physical therapy from Azusa Pacific University and achieved board certification as a hippotherapy clinical specialist. Her professional interests include neonatal, pediatric, neurological, physical therapy, early identification of cerebral palsy, and the use of equine movement therapy in treatment with aims for improving functional patient outcomes and enhancing the quality of life. And there's more, but you can go on and read more about her on her bio in the show notes. So welcome to the program, Randy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to share. Yes, yes. And it was so exciting for me to come down and um, and get to know the Shea Center. Thank you for taking me on my, my own personal tour. And, <laughs> You're welcome. Um, in regards to the hippotherapy, I remember looking and there's one horse arena that is designated specifically for that kind of therapy. And someone mentioned it's speech therapy. And I saw kids like writing backwards and singing and looking at cards that had pictures on them while they were while they were doing the writing. So what exactly is the, the hippotherapy? What does it cover differently than the other other ones? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great question and one that we get all the time because you're right, it does look like a lot of different things. It looks like a lot of fun, but it really is a lot of work for our clients of all ages. Uh, hippotherapy, the term itself, means that a therapist is using uh, the the horse's movements purposefully in their treatment to target a specific therapy goal. So as a physical therapist, I'm using the horse's movement to strengthen postural muscles, 
to uh, train balance reactions, to uh, develop good postural control so we can prevent falls. We can develop more higher level coordination skills. Maybe that's something as simple as reaching, or maybe we're using that to stimulate all of the muscles in a very fast moving way. So then we can teach the child how to go up and down stairs or how to jump, um, maybe even skipping or um, just the typical play skills that they need in life. Right. But along with physical therapists, occupational therapists and speech therapists can utilize hypotherapy in their treatments as well. The occupational therapists might be using it more as a sensory integration tool. Maybe they're trying to regulate their clients a little bit better so they can target a functional skill like handwriting or dressing. Maybe they're struggling with buttons or zippers or even pulling a sweater up over their head. Um, that is something very important for a growing child, but also for an adult after a neurological event of some kind. Maybe they had a stroke or they are struggling with Parkinson's. They want to still uh, maintain their independence with their dressing skills and their fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. And for a speech therapist, it could be opening the throat or stimulating the vocal cords or all of the muscles that are needed for respiration and for volume production. Uh, They might also need an arousal tool. Maybe their client is uh, a little less engaged. Maybe they're sleepy. (laughs) Maybe they're just a little bit lower um, in their overall presentation or interaction with the world. And the horse can kind of wake them up and get them ready and primed for working on speech. Interesting. Well, I have a very special soft spot in my heart because my nephew, as I told you, he um, is a special needs young man and he's in his early 30s now and he's been going to a therapeutic writing center mm-hmm. um, for a long time in Indiana and I've been able to go and and watch and it's just it, it's it's just really beautiful. And the reason I wanted to bring you on the show today is that, you know, we talk a lot about bringing wonder and awe, not only into our lives, but also into our children's lives. And it's something that you are doing for children and and some adults who possibly don't. Well, actually, I think they have a lot of wonder and awe, but we don't we don't really recognize it as that. But bringing something to them therapeutically, but also something that brings them so much joy and so much confidence and and so much um, validation surrounded by people like you. The staff there is amazing um, to to just give them that love, you know, that love and support. So. So Randy, how did you begin this work with horses and therapeutic riding? I was first introduced to the idea of hippotherapy when I was in college. I was an animal science major. I was kind of toggling between maybe veterinary school, maybe medical school, maybe another allied health profession like physical therapy. And I wasn't exactly sure which route to go. And animal science was an easy way to serve all of the prerequisites. I also had a lot of agricultural um, scholarships that you can only have if you have an agricultural major. 
So it was kind of a culmination of so many different things. <laughs> but I began volunteering at my university's equestrian center and met a physical therapist that worked within a very tiny therapeutic riding center. It was really just one shed and one pasture in the equestrian center. And I thought, oh, wow, this is probably the coolest job I've ever heard of. And then kind of just reworked all of the requirements so I could make that be my goal. Beautiful. But before that, I grew up around horses. My aunt and uncle lived on a horse ranch. I was there as often as I could growing up. I was the kid that said horse probably when the first five words that I learned and begged my parents for one forever. Finally got into a formal lesson program and did some shows as an adolescent. So it was definitely something that I knew I wanted in my life on some level. It, I wasn't sure if that might have meant just having one of my own or maybe within work, but I'm so pleased that this is how it all kind of developed because I, I can't, I can't imagine a different, a different life. Would you say you were an intuitive child or, you know, curious about, oh, I don't know. Did you have imaginary friends or there was there a spirituality aspect to it? I, I guess very much so. I was an only child until I was seven. And uh, the first probably half of that experience, um, I couldn't couldn't ask for a little brother or sister enough times. And finally, I think I got okay with being an only child. And then my little sister was born and was like, well, what? The, I was fine. <laughs> What's going on? So no, I, I loved playing solo because I, I had to. I definitely had imaginary friends. Um, there was a little bit of wisdom, I think, beyond the years. At least that's what I was always told. I think I've I don't know, maybe regressed in life. I, I feel like the younger years, I was probably a little bit more um, wise than I am now. <laughs> but my parents were very spiritual, very um, church uh, all, all over. Um, so there is always this idea of there being a higher power or a greater good or a real purpose in life. Mm -hmm. I see that daily here. Yeah. With yeah tell us about that because... I, I'm just curious, we know, or many of us know that, you know, horses and, and many and other animals are brought into hospitals or brought into hospices or brought, I've, I've interviewed quite a few animal communicators that actually go in and, and have sessions with the horses, figure out what their needs are, you know, if there's either a challenge or whatever it may be. So tell us a little bit of that aspect, I know this wasn't one of your questions, but, but of your work. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, that, that does make sense. Um, the horses, I think, along with so many other domesticated animals, um, know that they have a relationship with humans and they historically are prey animals. So it kind of is an interesting dynamic because Unlike dogs and cats, those are prey or uh, predatory animals. So they, they have their own defense mechanisms. And I think they're a little bit less shy uh, around a predator like a human. But horses are on the other end of the spectrum. They, they survive by flight and they might have a little bit more 
what we would call spookiness. Um, they are always on alert because if they didn't in their biological line, they would be dinner. So the fact that these horses are so okay with not only interacting with us, but fully trusting us and allowing us to do all kinds of crazy things like like you said, sitting backwards on them or blowing bubbles at them or throwing a ball and playing catch with our clients. It's really a beautiful relationship that not only we enjoy, but that our clients enjoy too. And it's almost immediate. You see that emotional connection that uh, a rider has with his mount. And that relationship is centuries, centuries, centuries old. It's as old as time. Horses have always been in man's existence. And I think there's got to be something deeper on that spiritual level there because we kind of recognize each other and respect each other for what we can do. That's interesting. I never, I've never heard that explained in the way that dogs and cats are, are predatory and and horses are prey, but that that makes a, a lot of sense. How has working with the horses, and we're specifically working with children at the Shea Center and watching watching them on the horses, how has that changed you? It um, has it changed me. I have such a, a big appreciation for what our clients are willing to do for us and seeing their goals and seeing them meet their goals quickly and and for the parents is so beautiful and it's very rewarding but also still validating that this is working and I, I think I, it has brought me a little bit more faith in the world. <laughs> as, I don't know, maybe cheesy as that sounds. That no, not at all. Life, life is it can be really hard, and that looks differently for all of us. All of our walks of life it can be challenging in so many different ways. But seeing what these relationships can do is is very positive because. You, you know that you're helping somebody overcome some of those challenges, but that they're doing it for themselves at the same time, which is even more powerful. Yeah. So if anything, this place has made me feel a little bit more happy and um, confident in the hand that was dealt to me. And maybe my challenges aren't so bad. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have a couple of stories about children that have, um, I don't know, that have just really touched you, that have said something about their horse or the connection or or what they've done for them or anything like that? I do. Yeah. It's um, why we do this work. It's that's the, what gives back, I think, is all of the stories and the the growth that we see over the years. Um, Unlike other areas of physical therapy and and rehab, uh, we might not have patients that stay in our lives for many, many years. (laughs) This is a little bit more of kind of a spin on a wellness approach because these people can continue benefiting from the horse's movement in so many different ways for their whole lifetime. So some of the children that I first met when I started here eight, nine years ago, 
were three, four years old. Now those are, oh my goodness, almost adolescents. They're, you know, 10, 11 years old and seeing how they've developed their own communication skills and can share their journey with me is so fun because I have been on their journey too. And um, that's what's so remarkable is the longer that you're here, the more you see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have have one, one client who I've been treating for, I think about five years now. So not super, super long, but definitely long enough. And he fully contributes his experience here to his confidence. Now he has cerebral palsy and it's very difficult for him to coordinate his movements safely. He has a lot of rigidity in his muscles. So it's, it's very challenging to obtain a, a more normalized fluid way of moving. So walking is a huge challenge even standing and maybe he loses his balance being able to step to or hold on or recover in some way to prevent a fall. Um, Those two activities used to be so anxiety streaking to him and very fear inducing. He wouldn't want to attempt it because he was so worried about falling. Um, This child has fully typical cognition and reasoning ability. He has normal um, language skills. So to convince a child who has really good thought processes that yes, this is hard and yes, you might fall, but you have to do it (laughs) is really hard. And in a typical treatment setting in a clinic um, or in a hospital, that's very challenging. It's almost like you're butting heads at that point. You can't convince a child to do anything really. They have to be able to do it on their own um, or want to do it on their own. But when he's here after riding his horse, he has that confidence because he he says, if I can ride that horse, I can do this. And that's that's the coolest part is to really be able to kind of get in there and work through the hard stuff together. (laughs) Another child that I've known for many years, he's almost 12 now, which is crazy. When he started here, he was nonverbal. He had no words. And now he, you can't, he, you really can't shut him up. He's very conversational <laughs> in the best way. And he's so quippy and so funny and so charming. And he talks about how this is his favorite place. And he, it's so funny. He still calls the Shea Center the name of his horse. <laughs> he still calls it by his very first horse that he, one of the first words that he learned to say. And that's, that's so cool. Like, I, I feel like he is, um, such a bright point in my week and I'm, I'm always got a little let down if I don't get to see him. Yeah. Uh, I love those stories. How do you feel as a child, um, when you were out in the horse farm, I think you said it was your aunt and all children, how do you think that they can benefit from, you know, being around horses and other animals just to help them to just feel stronger inside and maybe, you know, give them some, some inner strength. I, I think that being around animals that are so large and so majestic in their nature is so very rewarding for all of those pieces that you just mentioned. It, it gives them a respect for nature it gives them confidence in themselves and that makes them feel powerful. Um, being able to feel 
accepted by the horse, being able to touch the horse Mm -hmm. is such a positive experience because if that horse doesn't want to touch, doesn't want you to touch him, he's not going to let you, he's, he's going to run off or he's going to leave or ignore you or, um, prevent that from happening fully. So, um, there's that, that place of acceptance that they find. And for a young child, that can be the worst part of growing up is not finding acceptance, maybe at school with their peers, maybe it's um, knowing the family dynamic and where they fit. But with the horses, it's different. Um, and, And that is so huge for all of the different people that they interact with, not just our, our children here as clients, but maybe the adults that are clients here, maybe it's the volunteers that are here. Um, I think that's why people are so impassioned by this type of work because it, it speaks to them on those ways that are uh, a little bit harder, harder to describe. It's interesting because I think that one thing people I know that that it's so important to have service in your life and to give back in your life. And this is such a beautiful way. We get so caught up in all of our, all of our things, you know, and just as you said about your own life, what a beautiful way. And so why I'm excited about getting involved too, is to just be absorbed in, in another world, in another watching that joy and laughter and maybe even the fear sometimes mm-hmm. and listening to the, the giggles. One of the little girls, I don't know if she was verbal or not, but she threw us a kiss while we were, <laughs> you probably know exactly who it is. I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, while she was out there riding. And it's so, it's so important for our souls. It's so important for us to get back to our it can help us get back to our childlike nature, our childlike mm-hmm. nature also. So to segue a little bit, um, I was also touched by um, the work that you're doing, and I guess now it's official, with um, adults, with some veterans, and also with some anxiety and depression. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Oh, yes, I'd love to. I think that is such a a huge need right now, not just with our veteran community, but with all people. I I think one positive thing that came out of COVID was a more acceptance on talking about mental health and acknowledgement that everybody can have anxiety and everybody can be struggling with different pieces of that throughout their lives at different periods. And the horse is such a a huge facilitator for that conversation because they are so true in their being. They can't lie. They can only exist in the moment. And as our mental health um, expert here says, the horse is a biofeedback machine because Uh they, they mirror the human. So if the human has and that kind of goes back to the horse being a prey animal. That's how they've existed for their whole um, generations and generations of, of horsey lives is by being able to know the predator's heart rate, the respiratory rate. If they're getting ready for a, a run or a, for a fight, um, they can recognize that in the people around them. So if somebody has a lot of anxiety or 
um, is dealing with some aggression issues or anything, when they approach the horse, if their heart rate is really high, if their blood pressure is really high, the horse is going to recognize that and say, no, thanks. I'm, I'm not going to go near you. But if you can approach them in a calm manner, if you can learn how to regulate yourself, then the horse can mirror that. And the horse could then be matching you in having that calm, um, slower heart rate and slower respiratory rate. So we see almost an immediate mirroring effect in, in the animal. And it, that is sometimes the biggest demonstration for people who have struggled to find appropriate therapies or successful therapies for themselves because you see it and there's no doubting it. It's that mirror in front of you. So it can really speak volumes all all immediately, all of a sudden. And we hear really powerful success stories in a very, very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. I do, do the people who the adults that come for, for this journey with the animals, um, how do you, I mean, can they like come forever? I mean, I would say if it were me, I'd like totally fall in love with my horse. And I yeah, no, that's a really good question. It kind of goes back to how I, I talked about it being like a, a culture of wellness. Um, and it's similar in all therapy plans of care. Once a patient meets their goals and is at a point where we would consider a typical or functional range, then they would be discharged. Part of our code of ethics is not to overutilize a service and to really be able to address all of those in need. So for me, if a patient is no longer needing my help as a physical therapist, then I can refer them to our adapted riding program. And then they can continue benefiting from the horse's movement from an instructor guiding a riding lesson. So then then the individual can learn how to ride their horse. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the mental health therapist says the same thing. You no longer need my help as a conduit. And you would still benefit from the horse's presence. So they would refer them to our equine assisted learning program where they can still learn about the work with the horses. Maybe they have a a goal of bringing a horse through an obstacle course, or maybe they want to learn how to handle their horse um, or fill in the blank. Then they can still do that. So you don't ever have to leave, but sometimes <laughs> the work that you're doing might look a little bit different and the person that's guiding your work might be different as well. Right. Well, I, when I was there, I loved when you talked about the different um, things and actually you can briefly touch on them that you can, you can do as a, as a volunteer at the Shea Center. And it might be surprising to someone, but I'm really excited, like working in the barn. <laughs> Really get in there and have conversations with these horses, at least intuitively, telepathically. But you know, brushing and I I find something very uh, meditative about that. But um, just briefly tell us the different different things a person can do if they if they want to volunteer and how old you have to be. Yeah, no, um, I love that you just said that. It is very meditative being in a barn, and it's very therapeutic. Just mucking a stall, like you don't think that shoveling manure would be therapeutic, but (laughs) it it is. It sometimes you just got to get your hands busy and dirty and 
that's the best part about being not only in an environment with beautiful creatures that are accepting you as you, but being able to kind of work a little hard and, and get your body a little tired because then the, whatever frustrations that you're dealing with that day can kind of wear away in a more natural, uh, uh, method. But um, volunteers can do a lot of different things, not just shoveling manure, but <laughs> they, they can work in the barn. Like you said, we have a barn crew. Um, they are in charge of pulling tack. Tack are the saddles and the bridles and the equipment that we use on the horses for our treatment sessions and our riding lessons. And then putting the tack away. Um, sweeping. Oh man, do we sweep around here? <laughs> um, sweeping the cross ties where the horses get ready, sweeping the barn aisles. Um, we also have our side walking crew. Those are our volunteers that walk alongside the horse and the client to offer them maybe the physical stability they need, or maybe it's the emotional stability of not wanting to be on the horse by themselves, but be, have somebody next to them. Um, they might uh, volunteer as a leader or a horse handler. Uh, we cannot do this job alone and rely on our volunteers of so many different ways, but our horse handlers are very important. Um, so they could lead the horse before the therapist or the instructor. Uh, you have to be 14 years old. That's the, the minimum age. Nice. And, uh, an adult yeah. or a caregiver has to sign off uh, on your liability waiver. And there's no age maximum. <laughs> Everyone can come volunteer. Uh, we do ask that people are vocal about any type of physical limitations that they might have. Maybe they have um, a sore back or a former past shoulder injury that prevents them from picking up heavy things or something. Uh, but there's always a place that we can use them. Um, even if it's in our office, honestly, we've even called on some of our volunteers for some uh, clerical work for us during parts of the year that were a little bit um, inundated with those types of tasks. Mm-hmm. During our orientation, the gentleman who who talked to us a little bit said this will transform your lives even more. He said, as, as weird as it sounds, but even more than then you helping the clients even more so it will transform your life. And I think we'd all like a little bit of that, you know, just a little bit of that softness and that unconditional love and to really know you're helping someone who, who we all need help, but just some really, really special people. So well, Randy, we need to wrap it up, but thank you so much for coming on the program. Is there, are there any last words that you would like to say before we, before we go? I thank you for the time and for the recognition that this is uh, a place of, of really powerful uh, things happening. And I really encourage anyone who's listening to who might be interested in this as a service for themselves or a family member um, or for an active service, like you mentioned, being in their volunteership um, to seek out a, a place near them. And the more we can talk about this, the more places we can get into the, the production, because this is something that I firmly think anyone would benefit from. Um, and I'd, I'd love to be able to, to offer that to whomever 
um, if it's not here in Southern California, if hopefully it's somewhere uh, that has horses near them and somebody who is familiar because yeah. it, it really is very powerful. And if people want to learn more about the Shea Center or about, you know, you, <laughs> where would they go? Uh, Google is the best place. We have a really great website. So social media has been so very kind to us. And uh, we have a, have met a lot of people that way, too. Uh, we have an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, but, yeah, the Shea Center, they, they can find us for sure. SheaCenter.org? SheaCenter.org. Okay, great, great. Well, thank you so much. Are you are you doing anything special with the um, at the Shea Center for the holidays? We do. We have Santa here this week. <laughs> uh, this is our our last week of our client services before we go on a session break. And because it's the end of the year and near the holidays, we like to celebrate that the best way we know how with uh, with the red man himself. <laughs> uh, so Santa is here. Uh, he helps us hand out awards because this is also um, one of uh, only two occasions in the year that we try to really go over and beyond to recognize our volunteers and to uh, show some appreciation for our clients and their hard work. So it's our volunteer appreciation and client recognition week and Santa is here to help us do it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I'll let you get back to the horses and okay, really you appreciate so you coming on and, and hopefully I'll see you soon coming down. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited. Please. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoy your time and I'm so happy to talk more anytime. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you've enjoyed today's episode and want to continue your journey, please subscribe to my podcast on your favorite platform. It helps us reach more people with these valuable conversations. Also, head over to my new website at marleyhughes.com and sign up for our newsletter for even more exciting adventures. Thank you.